2: The KSL News Radio Vaccine Watch. Special coverage on live mic with Lee Lonsberry. Hey, welcome back. 237 here in the KSL Newsroom. We're going to spend the remainder of today's program looking at uh, vaccines in the classroom. How and what is the relationship between, say, vaccinating school teachers and staff and the ability to safely open those schools and return uh, to -to face-to-face learning here in the state of utah most every district has offered some form of face-to-face instruction well before even the vaccine was made widely available the one remaining district has been the, the salt lake city school district which just yesterday changed that yesterday for the first time since what was it march of last year Students and teachers and staff are back in the building. Now, it's not its not like uh, the days of 2019. Remember back then? 2019. It's not 100% in the classroom all day long, uh, every day of the week, Monday through Friday at least, uh, but rather a staggered deal uh, where, you know, depending on, the first letter of your last name, you go for two days a week, and then the other half of the alphabet goes another two days, and one day is all... Rem- anyway, they've got a system. It's just not what it was before the pandemic struck. And the as you well know, this debate has played out and it is continuing on right now in the legislature as to uh, whether or not and how much uh, of a bonus will be uh, allowed for teachers throughout the state. The Salt Lake City School District is back in the classroom. Did they do so to qualify for the bonus, or did they do so because the vaccine uh, was made available to teachers as teachers were uh, prioritized higher in the pool of folks eligible for the vaccine? We don't know, and that's kind of a question of weeks ago, and so I'm ready to move uh, well on from that. Uh, And I'm anxious to see uh, and I'm anxious to to learn certainly how plans develop not only in Salt Lake City or rather the Salt Lake City School District, but in all the districts around the state and the country. As we learn here most recently that the current director of the CDC says it's not necessary for teachers to be vaccinated in order to reopen schools now that likely isn't taking into account peace of mind and comfort, all things that really ought to be present in the classroom for effective learning to take place. But in the in the simple question of transmission, uh, there may be uh, mitigating abilities to slow the spread in the classroom setting. Uh, we'll get a full report, I expect, from the CDC very soon on exactly that. In the time being, though, let's continue this series. We're going to go uh, district by district throughout the week. Uh, we're going to look at, we'll speak from representatives from the, the district, and we'll also hear from teachers. So for the next few minutes, uh, let me play for you some clips of a representative from the Davis County School District who spoke earlier today with Dave and Debbie about various aspects of the vaccine rollout. Uh, one thing I would point out yesterday yesterday, in our conversation with Salt Lake City School District, they are tracking the number of teachers uh, vaccinated, uh, not not so in Davis County.
3: The reason we don't track the number of teachers and staff members who are getting the vaccine is because it's not a condition of employment. Uh, we really don't have any reason to, to uh, track that at all. We provide, as you mentioned, uh, the opportunity for people to uh, to get the vaccinations we've sent out. Like you mentioned, more than eleven thousand emails to full-time employees, part-time employees, any sort of contracted individuals that may be helping with sports teams, and and we provide them that information.
2: Important point brought up there by uh, Mr. Williams of the Davis County School District. It's not a prerequisite for employment. The teachers are in a prioritized position right now to receive the vaccine, but it's not required. They don't have to. They're not compelled to receive the vaccine. It's an interesting question that will uh, likely come up as the vaccine becomes available to more and more people and broader and broader pools is whether or not employers, which I I think we've established uh, pretty conclusively, they in fact can require it. They can require a vaccine as a term of employment. Uh, we'll see if any employers actually do take that step. The the smart minds say that nah, not likely going to actually enforce it, but they are on uh, or would be likely on legal ground if they were to do so. Uh, sorry, getting back to the conversation between uh, Dave and Debbie here this morning and the Davis County School Representative on the issue of vaccines. Uh, they asked about uh, if the teachers. Would need to prove necessarily that they work at the school district to receive uh, the vaccine. So, uh, you, if you claim to be a part of an eligible group of people, do you have to prove that?
3: Every uh, staff member has to prove that they're a employee of the Davis School District, either by showing their employee ID or a, uh, a check from the school district or a letter from their uh, supervisor letting the people at the uh, Legacy Events Center know that these people are, in fact, employees of the district.
2: And lastly, Mr. Williams answered the question of, how will the school district know you're done vaccinating your teachers?
3: Well, what we've done, like I said, we've sent out emails to, to individuals. We've let them know multiple times, here's an opportunity for you to, to sign up, and here's the process uh, that you follow to do that. Uh, we've let them know that at a certain point, Uh, The health department will open it up to other people. So if you thought you were initially, you know, top priority, if you haven't grabbed that opportunity, you may have a little bit more competition from other folks as well trying to get the vaccination. So, again, we're leaving it up to them.
2: What do you think about that? So, essentially, teachers are in this pool. There's not a requirement that they get it. They don't need to demonstrate that they've gotten it. Uh, They need to, you know, prove their identity or at least their role as a teacher or school staff uh, to get the vaccine, uh, but, for, but for the most part, they are just a, another one of the pools of people uh, able right now to get the vaccine here in the state of Utah. What do you think as a parent? Would you like to know whether or not a teacher, your student's teacher, uh, is vaccinated? Would that change your mind somehow? You know, maybe you are a parent who has opted to uh, keep your children home, engaged in the remote learning. Do you do that because you don't know whether or not the teacher's vaccinated? Five seven five zero zero. that's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. Let me know what you think. Uh, we're going to take a break right now. And when we return, uh, continuing our conversation about vaccines in the Davis School District, we'll be speaking with a second-grade teacher herself from Valley View Elementary. Ms. Wilmore will be my guest next on Live Mic. I'm Lee Berry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to live, Mike. What we're doing this week is for the final half hour of each day's program, we're taking a look at the vaccine rollout in various school districts around this great state. We uh, are doing it in kind of two parts. We'll speak first with uh, the the school itself, the district itself, rather. Uh, and then and that gives us a bird's eye view right that gives us a big faraway look at how things are working out logistically and uh, how the records are going and how the you know the, the big picture things are playing out in terms of the vaccine rollout and then uh, to wrap up the program each day we'll then speak uh, with someone on the front lines if you will a teacher or a member of school staff uh, who is in the classroom has received the vaccine how's that going? To get a look, that closer look, uh, we're going to second grade. We're going to uh, the second grade in Valley View Elementary. Speaking with Teacher Denise Wilmore, who joins us now. Miss Wilmore, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, thank you.
2: Thank you. Uh, tell um, me, how have things gone since the the vaccine was made available to teachers? You you in the Davis School, you and your colleagues have been there teaching and working as school staff for you know since the the kickoff of this school year. Uh, You've been in the classroom. But uh, I imagine there was something of a sense of relief once the the vaccine was making its way through the arms of the teachers.
0: For me, there was a huge amount of relief. Um, And I know for my colleagues as well. I think there was just once we started receiving the vaccine, there was just a huge sigh of relief. And and, um, people were feeling a lot more comfortable with being in the classroom and being with kids. And so the whole process has gone very, it's been a very seamless process of like the district uh, sending out emails and people being able to register. And then, and Davis County teachers are, or everybody goes through the um, fairgrounds. And that's been an amazing process. It's just has run very smoothly.
2: What's been the impact on the classroom? Uh, I, I imagine that there is you know, a certain measure of anxiety when you're in a setting <laughs> like that before the vaccine. Uh, you get the vaccine. And I, I understand you've had both doses, so you've got like the super, super blood now. Uh, you, you're in the classroom. You're with your students. Uh, are, are you a better teacher now?
0: I feel like I'm a lot more relaxed than I was prior to getting my vaccines. I feel like there's not as much anxiety kind of weighing on me um in terms of what if I get the virus am I going to bring bring this virus to my loved ones um so yes I am a better teacher and I think my students um when they found out that I was being vaccinated the first time I told I shared it with them and they're like yay then we can be safer you'll be safer <laughs> so I <laughs> and it's so it's been it has been a huge sigh of relief for everyone involved. Talk to me about your, students and myself.
2: Talk to me about your your Go students. You, you teach the little second graders. I can remember uh, when I was a second grader myself uh, a number of years ago in uh, Miss Donna Todd's class at Mountmore Central, uh, and it, it was it was a wonderful, carefree time of <laughs> life. I wasn't facing a pandemic. What's the experience for your youngsters?
0: Well. Um, So we are following the Big Five in Davis. So lots of hand washing and social distancing, mask wearing, um, and um, lots of, you know, cleaning desks. So prior to the school year starting, I was really, like, apprehensive about the whole process. I never thought that my kids would just be... Um, so resilient and just be so flexible but they the students have actually done beautifully they you know they wear their mask they social distance we have um when we walk down the the hall we just remind kids to have zombie arms so they reach their hands out so kids aren't close to to each other so they've really adapted to this very well
2: Will this have a lasting impact, do you think? Uh, you, you're, a, you're you're a professional when it comes to young people. Will this be just a, a blip in the ancient history of the minds of students as they go on, or will something stick with them, uh, maybe even hindering their ability to compete later on?
0: You know, I think, if anything... It's going to teach kids that they are resilient and they can do anything. And we use this as a teaching moment in my classroom. Yeah. We talk a, a lot about, like, this is something that's hard and we're going to get through it. And this is different and we're going to get through that. So my hope is that students will take that through the rest of their lives. So there are things that are going to be hard, but we'll get through it.
2: That, that's encouraging. And I hope it's the case everywhere that's what I so hope. I just know and sometimes think that, you know, young people at this stage of life uh, are at an impressionable time, impressionable time uh, uh, when memories are being formed. And I just, I wonder each day about how they're doing with this disruption. But uh, I like your observation and I'm going to put my confidence and faith in it that it's widespread.
0: Well, I really believe that in my school at Valley View Elementary, there is a very positive culture that starts with our leader and um, she wants and everybody wants to make sure that kids are safe kids are learning and we are a team that may not exist in every school but it certainly does in my school and I feel like that trickles down to the classroom and trickles down to um, my students very good so it is a positive environment because we we choose to be positive
2: and that's uh, probably a lesson the rest of us could apply to our own lives. Uh, l- last question, uh, Miss Wilmore, uh, before I let sure. you go about the vaccine: the, the, your colleagues, the other teachers and the school staff, everyone pretty eager to get the vaccine?
0: Um, I, I yes, in my school, my colleagues are very eager to get the vaccine, and if. I, I think there may be a few of my colleagues who are not getting the vaccine, and that's their choice, and we just kind of leave it at that. But for the most part, people are very eager to get the vaccine. Outstanding.
2: Uh, well, listen, uh, best of luck to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm proud of you for being a teacher. Thank you. As I look back on the folks I've looked up to in my life, uh, they've all been teachers. They're all the teachers. That's who taught me everything, and you're one of those. So thank you so much, uh, Ms. Wilmore, second-grade teacher at Valley View Elementary. Thank you. All right, we're going to uh, wrap up the program here in just a moment. Uh, again, my thanks to the the teacher there. We'll speak to another teacher tomorrow if this impeachment trial doesn't get in our way. Uh, we're still sorting out exactly when proceedings are scheduled to take place tomorrow. That'll kind of determine uh, what we bring to you here during my show live, Mike here on KSL News Radio. Right now, wrapping up on the floor of the United States Senate is uh, David Schoen, the uh, the attorney. For former President Donald Trump, one of the two attorneys, we heard earlier from Bruce Castor Jr. in the opening remarks, and even earlier than that, we heard from Representative Jamie Raskin, the House uh, manager, the lead House manager, prosecuting the president uh, in this trial. Right now, uh, the question is, will the Senate vote to uphold the constitutionality of of this trial, that vote expected to come sometime uh, later this afternoon or into the evening. You'll certainly hear about it as soon as it happens here on KSL News Radio. Uh, I, I know that. I know that these these proceedings can be frustrating. I know that they can feel divisive. I know that you may, depending on where you stand on this issue, roll your eyes when you hear the other guy at the microphone given. Uh, his or her speech, Uh, but know that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my confidence and history supports the fact that uh, this nation will endure, that when this is over with, it will become history, and from it we will move on. And I'm optimistic that as you and I hold on to that belief, uh, that we'll continue on plenty strong. Right now, we're in the midst of a distracting chapter. We'll read it and then we'll move on. Time for me to step away. Next up, Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio.
1: I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office
2: to meet her estranged
1: husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home.